0: Welcome everyone. This is the Abundant Investor Podcast and we are Beth and Christine, your hosts. We are here to show you how you can live your rich life right now with the power of an abundance mindset and tools the wealthy have used for years that are accessible to the rest of us. Things like real estate investing and using the powerful benefits of life insurance. We're so glad you're here. Now let's dive in. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Beth Rooney. I'm here with my co-host, Christine Fisk. And today we have a really special guest for you all. We have Pamela Hilton. She is a CPA. She's a powerhouse. We're so happy to have her on the call today. And um, I'd like to just start off with you, Pamela. If you can give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself and uh, your business, we'd love to hear it.
1: Absolutely. So again, my name is Pamela Hilton. I am a certified public accountant licensed in Massachusetts. Um, My office is here in uh, Haverhill, Massachusetts. I've been in business for over 30 years, three decades. Um, I've been in this industry, um, either in mostly in public accounting, but some private accounting. I'm a third generation business owner. And I work with lots of businesses. We work primarily, primarily primarily with businesses, um, anywhere from startup to multiple seven figures. And we work with clients all over the country, really trying to get them um, uh, focused on building their business, becoming more aware of their business, more dialed in, and helping them save money on taxes.
0: That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Um, since we are the Abundant investor, can you tell us a little bit about your work, Um with um, female entrepreneurs? Do you have female businesses? Can you tell us a little bit about that twist as being, you know, I I, I work with a lot of CPAs and there's not a lot of um, female CPA. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, Um. so yes, I am in what we used to be a very male dominated industry. Women are gaining a more of a foothold And we do things a lot differently at our firm. We're not a very traditional firm. We're more of a boutique firm where we cater and customize uh, accounting and tax packages based on what our clients need. But yeah, I've been um, since I graduated, and most CPAs can attest to this. Once you people know you start doing tax returns, you kind of become self-employed automatically. People ask you to do their tax returns. Mm -hmm. But I've been a single parent for a really long time. And it was, it afforded me a great way to. Be present with my kids, which every all female entrepreneurs can relate to. Be present with my kids, tailor my hours, and work around their schedules. Um, and it was really kind of a slow growth process as my kids were little. My kids are older now. My business has grown because they're more independent. Um, but yeah, I work with I work with all kinds of um, businesses, but more in, lately. I've been seeking out women's groups, women entrepreneurs, because I do feel, and I hear this all the time from clients that come in, they, um, they're not very well respected. They don't, um, they, it's, I don't want to say it's been condescending, but I mean, you can, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's hard for women to really make a mark sometimes. And I I'm, I'm, don't even understand why that is. But I love to work with um, female entrepreneurs, business owners, work with women's groups. I do speaking engagements like this and podcasts for women's groups because it's there's really an opportunity there to 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 really um, propel more women into um, powerful uh, businesses and being powerful business owners.
0: Oh, I love it. That is so awesome. That's right in line with what we're trying to accomplish here. It's, it's awesome. I really love that. Thank you for taking the time to, um, to talk about that. Um, one of the things we want to talk about, um, just making a little shift here is real estate. And, you know, our audience is in, is um, obviously just your, your regular old homeowner. So I'd love to hear about sort of the benefits of real estate as, you know, just a general homeowner. But secondarily, and maybe more specifically to our group here, is real estate investors and how real estate investing can be a tax strategy and what some of those benefits may be. So, if you don't yeah. mind talking about those sort of two groups, that we'd love to, to hear your, your input.
1: Yeah. So, um, since the just from, from a homeowner um, standpoint, a lot of um, the there was a shift, right, in the last few years from the, the standard deduction being raised so high that most people, I want to say most, but a lot of people now are not taking the itemized deduction. They're taking a very much larger, generous standard deduction. So there's less opportunity there for write-offs. Um, but there are other opportunities, such as um, if you make uh, energy efficient improvements to your home, there's a tax credit, not to get into the whole nitty gritty of uh, numbers and percentages <laughs> uh, and tax rates, but there are opportunities to make um, to get tax credits for energy efficient improvements you make to your home. Um, And then again, like the home office deduction went away. And if you're an employee, you have to be self-employed now to take the home office deduction. So just being aware of those sort of things that some of these things are going away, but there are other things that you can take advantage of. And I really um, this goes back to one of the things I say to clients all the time and to potential clients. You don't have to know all the things because they are really, really They change all the time and some of them are really complex and then some of them aren't very logical. Right. The the tax code is not logical sometimes. So working with somebody who is is working with a professional can help you out in these sort of things and asking, particularly professionals are going to answer your questions. So if you are a homeowner and you may not take the itemized deduction, just ask some questions. Um, hey, what else is there for me to do? What um, what kind of energy impre- efficient improvements can I make this year that will qualify for that tax credit? And what other things can I do that maybe aren't home related because now I don't have those, those deductions, can I be taking advantage of? I love it. I love it. Yeah. And as far as like investing... Once you own like a rental property, you guys know this, you become a business owner. And sometimes people don't think about it that way. You've got a rental property, you're collecting income and you're incurring expenses for this rental property. And that's really a business and you have to treat it that way. And I don't think a lot of people who do real estate investing think of it as, oh, now I'm a business owner. I should really have like maybe a separate bank account for this property and I need to keep records for this property. And that's one of the biggest things I see people make a mistake is not having a system, not keeping track of these expenses. And me, it's like pulling teeth. And it's like I if you don't give me these expenses, I can't write them off and it's more taxes you're gonna pay. So right. keeping keeping it, keeping that rental property or Airbnb or whatever it may be, thinking about it as a business and keeping separate bank account, and records, whether it's a spreadsheet or whatever it is, can really, in the long run, save you more money. I love it. I love, I love that. It.
0: Yeah, that's that's so good. And I would say, too, as someone who is an investor with short-term rentals and, and constantly thinking about improving them, um, those seem to be great ways to also maybe offset some of the income. So continually investing and creating more equity in the asset, is the way that I like to think of it, does that sound aligned for you as well? Do you do you like to help? Um, you know, h- how do you think of real estate investors in terms of how they're building equity and and doing things like, you know, growing their portfolio?
1: Is there are there additional incentives for doing? Oh, sorry, I cut off a little bit. But yeah, you know, it all goes back to the record keeping, right? If you and like you had said, like, if you're putting money into that property, you're building equity, right? You need to keep track of again, I have another client who sold a, an investment property and they didn't keep great records and they didn't have a great prior accountant. So all of those improvements you make to that property. That aren't expenses, like they put on a new roof or you put on a deck, a driveway, any kind of uh major improvement you make to that property, you need to keep track of that information and the cost and the date you did that, because that goes into how you calculate either a gain or loss on your property, whether you're selling it outright or you're um, exchanging it for another property, that really matters. And I think those sorts of things kind of slip through the cracks. Um, if you don't keep track of those improvements, when you made them and how much they were, you're just going to pay more in capital gains. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that.
0: Nobody wants no. to do that. How about uh, yeah. one exchange? Is that something that you get
1: involved with some of your clients with? we i yes we do it's here and there it's a little complex because as you know when you're doing a 1031 exchange and a 1031 exchange for anyone out there who doesn't know it it's just when you exchange a like property for another like property when i say like meaning it's a very similar property like a like a two family you're buying you're selling a two family but you're purchasing another two family and you can defer the gain on that sale of the first property when you exchange it for another property it's just you don't you, there's still gain or loss involved, but you're deferring that to a later date when you're exchanging it for another property. Um, and there are just there's a lot of um, timing issues when you do a 1031 exchange. Right, the IRS requires you to identify the property you're buying, purchase it within a certain time frame in order to qualify for the that Section 1031. Um, deferral so we do do that but we are usually on the other end of it we usually um outsource that to another company who special there are companies who specialize in that and can help you identify property and make it happen within the constraints of the the code so that you do qualify for it
0: that makes a ton of sense that makes a ton yeah. of sense awesome um, and what about um Can you talk a little bit about about the capital gains tax for just a regular um, homeowner? Um, We've seen such massive growth in people's, the value of people's homes and um, what, what what are some of the restrictions or what are some of the, the, the maximums in terms of capital gains?
1: Yeah. And here's a great, that's a great question. And here's another thing Like I always, most of the time, your cpa or your accountant is informed after the fact right Mm -hmm. oh hey i sold my house this year and sometimes you know you we are dealing. You can't rewrite history, right? We have yeah. to just ask the questions and see if it it falls into the uh, the exclusion. So, in a nutshell, if you uh, sell your primary residence, yeah, and it has to be your primary residence for two out of the last five years. So, it could be a rental property here and there, but as long as you meet a certain, you know, time again a time frame constraint to to qualify for this exclusion, and it's generally two out of the last five years, you you were, it was your primary residence. You get to exclude part of that capital gain. And like you said, there's a lot, some people have a lot of equity now, but if you are married filing jointly, the gain exclusion is 500,000. And if you're a single taxpayer, the gain exclusion is 250,000. So not to get into a lot of complicated math, but how you calculate that is your sale price, Whatever your sale price is, mm-hmm. minus how much you paid for the house,
0: mm-hmm.
1: minus any like we talked about any home improvements that you can you know you take keep cut kept track of, so the the purchase price minus the cost minus all of those big home improvements you made minus the exclusion amount, so it'd be five hundred thousand if you're um, I need a, a whiteboard right five hundred thousand <laughs> if you're married filing joint or two hundred fifty if you're single would the the results the difference would be any gain you would have to pay on that property. I would have That's to say awesome. a lot of most people qualify for the for the for the exclusion. Most people do because it is a big amount. You know what I mean? Five hundred thousand is a big amount.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: again, before you close on that house, and we do this for clients, you can know what that number is if it's gain or loss and how much the tax is going to be before you even close before the end of the year, so you can ex- be uh, you can be expect. You'll have the numbers. You won't be surprised at the end of the year when you do your tax return. So if you are selling a house, I would encourage you to talk to your CPA either before or after you close with all of those numbers and they can calculate your gain for you ahead of time.
0: That's great. That's really, really great information. Thank you. That's so helpful. And I think people can be creative, too, about like if, you know, a lot of our clients have a second home. And so maybe they make that maybe they instead of, you know, living in there for five months in three weeks, they live there for the majority of the year, you know, for two years before they sell it so that they can get that um, exclusion. And so it's it's any of the past two of any five the past five years. Right.
1: Correct. So you could sell your primary residence and then move into your like your I see this all the time. People have a vacation home. So you've you've sold your primary residence, you get your exclusion and then you make your secondary residence. Your vacation home is becomes your primary residence and you can do this. And again, there's time frames that uh, that are involved, uh, but you can do it over and over again. Yes, you can. That makes
0: tons of sense. That makes tons of sense. Yeah. What about um, if
1: we could just talk
0: a little bit about um, life insurance? Um, one of the things we like to do is use life insurance as a way to build a tax-free bucket. Um, so we we like to talk about these three buckets. We have a um, taxable bucket of the investments. You have your tax-deferred bucket, like your four hundred one k. And then you have this tax-free bucket of life insurance. Um, and if it's properly structured and you and you create a high cash value, you can then borrow that money to do things like invest in real estate. And I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that a little bit.
1: Yep, yeah, I think more and more, um, I've seen clients who want um, alternatives, other think outside the box kind of alternatives to. Financing, especially now that interest rates, right, have climbed, I think people are more open as long as it's explained in simple terms because people get very nervous when they're talking about money. But having alternatives and choices for people um, besides just going to the bank, I think everybody is open to hear those sort of things. And yeah, I love to hear. Uh, about people using these alternative methods mm-hmm. because it's just it's it's smarter thinking it's 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 using things to your advantage um, I myself have uh, investments that I use for cash value to pay for college or you know mm-hmm. other things and it just it really makes sense and I think that the more we can educate people on these things because they are a little bit scary when when we're talking about these, Unconventional—it's not really unconventional, Mm -hmm. but I think people think they're unconventional, right? Right. (laughs) Um, As long as the more we can educate people about these and show people, hey, it's really not that difficult. You just need to file this paperwork, prepare this form, get this, um, you know, filed, um, and then you know, you you just you know, the, work with experienced professionals who can guide you, it takes a lot of that anxiety away from the equation, I yeah. think.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that's where um, us women um, really shine is taking the time to um, educate folks to make to take the, you know, to, to make it less scary by explaining how everything works and making sure that women are heard. You said that at the very beginning, I think you said that, you know, some of your clients sometimes feel like maybe they're not heard. Um, yeah. And so as um, women in this these marketplaces that, that could be, you know, that tend to be more male dominated, I know in life insurance, it's only 18% of um, life insurance agents are female. So it's definitely um, improving, but it's still a, um, a male dominated business. Real estate investing, the same thing. It's still um, a lot, there's a lot of female real estate agents, but as far as real estate investors, um, we're definitely in the minority. So it's great to have resources um, of other female entrepreneurs that really know their their stuff like you do. Um, In that vein, can you tell us a little bit about your business? Like, you, 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 you know, how you started as an entrepreneur, and how you decided being on your own was a, was a great way to to go and maybe some of the um the the successes or challenges you've had along the way
1: oh gosh yeah so i'd <laughs> like to say that i planned it all out right but a lot of it was just kind of happenstance um i i entered the accounting field because i loved the you know one of the classes i took and little did i know then but um it did fit in perfectly with being a single parent. I was able to make my own hours, but then again, you know, I am a third generation business owner. So I already had that kind of entrepreneurial mindset without realizing it. Um, And then it just, you know, it just kind of took on a life of its own. Um, And a lot of it was word of mouth. I built my practice and I tell this to people and they laugh at me, but I built my practice. Now, again, 30 years ago, there was no internet back then. I built my business with direct mail marketing, direct mail letters. That's how I built um, most of my, well, my entire practice. Um, So that's how it started. And it was very, it was a very slow progression. Um, And again, when I started out, it was very male dominated. I remember my (laughs) first job, a lot of clients wouldn't work with me unless there was a partner present um, My so it's, it's come a long way. It's come yeah. a long, long way. And um, yeah, word of mouth works great. Uh, referral groups, networking groups. I belong to the WBL, Women's Business League, uh, which, for anyone out there who's a woman entrepreneur, there's chapters all over the place. It's a great place to work with like minded business women. Um, But again, like we, we kind of carved out our own little niche. We, if you go onto my website, which is pamela PamelaHiltonCPA.com, we offer like boutique pricing. We offer comprehensive monthly subscription packages for clients. Um, We, we don't do things very traditionally. And I think that's that's what kind of sets me apart a little bit from other CPA firms.
0: That's it. That's awesome. Well, you know, we got to know you through your awesome social media presence. So um, you've done a really nice job with that. Um, And it's, you know, that's really when we, how our our worlds first came um, in connection with each other. So could you tell our listeners, you mentioned your website, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, Pamela? What's the best way for them to follow you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we do do. That's the other thing. We do a lot on social media, which you wouldn't think would be uh, our our primary source of advertising Mm -hmm. and putting ourselves out there. But we are mostly on Instagram. We do share to like LinkedIn and Facebook, but our primary platform is Instagram, which is Pamela Hilton CPA. They can find us there. And we Mm -hmm. offer a lot of like tools and little tidbits um, in our posts and our reels um, every day. Uh, how the easiest way to get in touch with us is through our website we have a you know work with me or schedule a meeting um button all over the place on the on the website and that's really the easiest way to get in touch with us and our consultation meeting is free our first consultation is free to see we just get to know each other what what um what somebody's looking for and if they're a good fit for our firm and if we're a good fit for them
0: I love it. I love it. I love, you know, just to to summarize a couple of things here today. I love how you suggested that real estate investors think of themselves as business owners. That's a really good point. I think keeping records, I heard that loud and clear, Um, getting organizing, getting organized to get that biggest, the biggest bang for your buck as as it relates to um, all the improvements you're making in your properties, whether it's your primary residence or your uh, real estate investments. So that's really yep. awesome. And I love that um, hearing you talk about sort of having a casting a wider net in terms of what you're looking at for re, um, real estate investing or investing is in general or how to uh, manage your money. And one of the things that is just so great to hear is that women talking about money. This is something that we we feel strongly about, Christine and I. We don't we don't hear women talking about money enough and we really um Want to change that? And this conversation today is a step in that direction. I really appreciate your time, your insight. Uh, you're you're so approachable, and I um we look forward to spending even more time with you in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I love educating clients, and sometimes you know people when I do these sort of things in speaking engagements. Sometimes the the simplest thing makes the biggest impact, and it do, the record keeping really does. It really does make a difference. And it's a lot of times it's not people's strong suit. And I always tell my business owners that if numbers and organization is not your strong point, that's okay. Just work to grow your business so you can outsource it to somebody who can do a really spectacular job with it. Yeah,
0: that makes a ton of sense. That makes a ton of sense. Well, thanks a lot, Pamela.
1: Oh, thank you you for having me. I really appreciate it. Our
0: pleasure. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Abundant Investor Podcast and learned something new. We would love to hear from you. And if you did get something from this episode, please subscribe and rate this podcast so more people can find it and live their rich lives too. And remember, an abundant mindset means there's always plenty to go around and through giving we receive.